Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Modern Day Rebels podcast, the podcast that tells the stories of pioneers that actively create the lives they want to live. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, hello, my name is Julia Frank and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm fascinated by the question of how we can live both better and more meaningful lives. Essentially what this means is that I explore how we can live life on our own terms without having to make any drastic daredevil changes. Whether you're employed, run your own business, work as a freelancer, or whatever your situation might be, this podcast's mission is to highlight the approach of those who live life a little bit more unconventionally to show you that you can too. Each week I sit down with a modern day rebel from a range of different personal backgrounds and industries to chat about why they decided to live life differently, what living life on their own terms looks like, and most importantly, how they managed to do so in the first place. In this episode, I sit down with Cody Diloba, founder of Avoy. Avoy is a travel app that helps people find locations off the beaten path. Essentially, it takes travel inspiration to the next level. It is currently invite only, so you can use the code REBELS, which you'll find in the show notes to create an account if you would like to check out Avoy. Cody and I chat about how he took a very calculated leap of faith to leave his Wall Street job and follow that entrepreneurial dream that he's always had. We chat about how he's overcome several challenges and how his philosophy is really about rolling with the punches. I'm incredibly inspired by Cody's approach to life and the termination in which he builds his company. So let's get straight into the episode. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for taking the time for this podcast today. I really appreciate it. To start things off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm the CEO and founder of Avoy. And Avoy, at our core, is a mobile application that helps travelers find off the beaten path destinations. So kind of our mission is to help reshape how we answer the question of where should I go next? So for, for all a search's great benefits, it tends to actually service subjective and exploratory questions quite poorly. So this leads to, you know, the typical common results for common queries and a lot of cases causing clustering as to where we travel. So yeah, think in, instead of receiving a recommendation to travel to Paris, we're going to push a recommendation to you to visit the small but beautiful town of Cassis. So we think that the sense of discovery and exploration is an experience that, you know, is a lot closer aligned to why so many of us love to uh, travel in general. So when you say clustering, you're talking about kind of that potential frustration around wanting to go somewhere, looking it up and essentially just finding kind of TripAdvisor and the top 10 things to do and the top 10 things always kind of seem to be yeah. the same thing. So yeah. at Avoy, you're really helping kind of find those places that aren't necessarily tourist destinations at the moment. Yeah, correct. And, and you know, if there's one thing that, that tourists tend not to like, about traveling, it's actually other tourists. <laughs> so coincidentally, <laughs> one of them. Yeah, exactly. So, so our goal is to help you know broaden people's horizons to actually uh, induce almost this this sense of exploration, but also on the same hand to help some of these underserved destinations who benefit greatly from income in tourism to actually attract some new travelers. Uh, the way that the search experience has shaped internet and advertising in general is it makes 
smaller companies and smaller destinations, the barrier to entry to actually receive internet traffic is quite high. So by taking an approach where we're not utilizing search, but we're actually pushing destinations to people based off their preferences and their interests, we can actually lower the barriers to entry significantly for that you know, underserved destination. So I am familiar with the app itself, but for someone who isn't, what, what does that kind of look like, that, that pushing, or what does that experience of seeing new places being recommended actually look like? Yeah, so it's actually very similar to interfaces that, that many of us have encountered in the world of dating. So you receive destinations in a stack or a queue. These are personally curated for you based off destinations you've seen in the past, as well as places you've been to in the past. And then it's a very simple swipe left, swipe right interface. You can scroll down to learn more about the destination, to see additional photos, to see uh, potential travel routes. And then, you know, you swipe left if you want to move on, see something else. You swipe right if you want to add that to your bucket list. Amazing. And, you know, at at its core, that is that is how simple it is. Really cool. And before we kind of get started in what it is that you kind of do in more depth, yeah. why do you consider yourself a modern day rebel? Or why might someone else consider yourself as a rebel? <laughs> yeah, so I think... I think people might roll their eyes a bit if you classified me as a as a rebel, as I am quite calculated when I think about my my future decisions. But I, I do think there is this misconception about risk that risk is either always a foolish behavior and that people really just fall into one out of two categories, either risk takers or someone who is risk adverse. However, in reality, all of our decisions do possess some risk factor. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a risk-seeking individual, but I'm, but I'm also more than happy to think through decisions in terms of what is the reward for the potential risk. And sometimes the the act or the decision that may look scary just on the onset because it is, let's call it quote unquote, unconventional, might actually not possess a ton of risk. So there have been some decisions, namely leaving a relatively, you know, comfortable life and a, a great job to start a void that might look like a significant risk. But if you actually boil down some of the the potential negative outcomes, that risk becomes much, much more diminished. And, you know, in my mind, it, it, it starts to make sense for the, the potential upside and the potential reward. And you live a kind of very unconventional life. Yeah. And I guess the, like you alluded to, the decision to leave a very stable job. So kind of taking a step back here, walk me through, you didn't, you weren't always in the travel industry. Yeah. You weren't always the CEO of your own company. What do you actually start off in? Yeah, so I've, as you mentioned, I've had kind of a winding path. I'm originally from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, so on the western side of Canada. I was educated in the United States, so I actually got recruited to play varsity baseball down at the University of Pennsylvania, and originally set off with the intention of being a brain surgeon. Uh, so I started, 
started studying, you know, cognitive neuroscience with all intents of going to medical school. Uh, quite quickly, I realized that, you know, that was not the path for me. What about it made you realize that? Yeah, so I, I think the the fact that so much school would have to accompany that choice. I've never been a, I wouldn't say I've been, I've disliked school, but I've never, I've liked doing things a lot more. And I'm incredibly curious by nature. So learning has always been something that, that I'm in control of, that I can go off and I can learn about things that, that really excite me. So the, the, notion of being forced to go through a structured program was less enticing to the idea that, hey, I could get out there, I could be working. And, you know, I could be learning about everything that I really do want to learn about as well. So all, all that taken into consideration, I, I started to dip into computer science, which had been almost a hobby when I was a kid. I'd like to build websites and, and silly games and stuff like that. And I picked that up as a practical addition to my degree. So with that, I then took kind of a slight right turn and uh, paired the computer science again with one of my other childhood interests, which was the financial markets. And uh, went to work on Wall Street. What a childhood interest. <laughs> the financial markets. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was kind of a goofy child, let's say. But then went, went to Manhattan to test out, you know, the world of Wall Street. I worked at, at two great firms, so the Union Bank of Switzerland, and then the quantitative hedge fund, Two Sigma Investments. Both were incredible experiences, you know, had opportunities to work with some some really really impressive people and then um you know as a, as i mentioned this is where i kind of took the the unconventional step to venture off into my own endeavors uh namely of voy so that was at the end of 2018 you know there was no nothing that i was let's say attempting to leave or uh, looking to change, but it was rather it was a calculated risk, where I thought the time was appropriate to to attempt to do something that I've that I've always wanted to do, namely start start something. And was there kind of a pivotal moment that because I'm you're living in New York, which is a is a dream for many on Wall Street, right? I mean, there's so many kind of stereotypical images that come to mind. I'm assuming you're also earning quite well yep. um, in terms of kind of being like, OK, wait a minute. This might actually not be all that it's painted out to be. Were there some pivotal moments or some kind of change points that made you realize that? Yeah. So I, I think it was less about, hey, I don't enjoy Wall Street. That was never the case. I actually really enjoyed uh, my position like I said, the the firm that I had chance the firms that I worked with, um, but it was more so of a decrease in risk in starting something else. So at this, throughout this this process, I'm accruing you know connections, but I'm also accruing experience, uh, bolstering my resume, all those activities that that happen in the background when you're working at a firm. 
And, you know, over time, that risk started to diminish to a sense, to a point where, where it just made sense that, hey, I have this idea that I'm sitting on. I want to do something. This sounds like a really challenging but interesting problem. And now the risk levels have diminished to such a degree that, that it makes sense. So that, that was kind of what encouraged the leap of faith um, rather than a moment driving me out of, of that career. And so you, you mentioned you were kind of sitting on this idea and you're like, I kind of want to try that. And you talk about the risk no longer being as, as large yeah. in terms of kind of having the idea. Did you always know you wanted to do something on your own or did you kind of have this idea and you're like, this is, I really believe in this idea and this is what I want to pursue. Yeah. So I, I've always been interested in entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, you know, I can think back to when I was a really, really small, small kid, probably first grade. And um, I was actually collecting staples in the classroom. And we would use those staples to form almost like a pinball board on a slanted desk. And we would have kids, you know, throw us a penny for a chance to play this pinball game and and potentially win prizes. So it's always been there. There's a few other examples throughout university and uh, shortly after university where where the the wheels were turning and some initial headroads were were made. But then also in combination with my my interest in travel personally, my personal struggles with the problem of determining where I should go next. All that kind of combined with timing led to, hey, this makes sense right now. And you mentioned you had a personal interest in travel. You actually ended up traveling for quite some time as well, right? So it almost seemed like, did that happen at the same time? You decided to to try your own thing and then you also started to travel as well? Yeah, no, exactly. Like I mentioned at the, the end of 2018 was when I... I took the leap to start working on Avoy full-time. I paired that with a trip to South America. Uh, So I spent four months in South America while I was working the whole time. So it was was very different than your, you know, traditional travel, little time on the beach, a little time in a hotel room. I was living in, in an apartment, you know, just like anyone else and going to a co-working space and working, you know, six, six, seven days a week. But the the big difference for me and the, the real excitement came from the fact that I can step out of an office for dinner and walk down a street of a new country. I can go into a grocery store when I need to and look at different products. And I can start to see, you know, how this culture is different than mine, whether it's within the office itself, out and about. So yeah, kind of paired the the two things I, I really, really enjoy, which is working on challenging problems and, and attempting to start something and um, the cultural element to travel, just learning about different places and, and different types of people. And you did mention, you you know, at the very start, you're quite calculated and quite structured. You mentioned the, you refer to it as the leap, yep. but kind of take me back because it, although it was a leap um, in terms of leaving your job and then kind of committing to a boy full time, but there was a lot of planning that went 
into making that? Could you just kind of walk me through that as well? Because I think you're, you're a lover of Excel spreadsheets as well. <laughs> certainly, certainly. I'm a lover of all things spreadsheet. No, so yeah, leap, leap of faith is, is probably not the correct term uh, to describe what I did. As you mentioned, this was a thought out process. I believe the decision came maybe eight, nine months before the actual action. And from that point, it started as a potential idea. And I started to delve into what are the actual risks. So there's there's obviously an opportunity cost, you know, and you're foregoing a wage that you might be making, but you're also leaving leaving a country, you're leaving a city, you're leaving a friend group. So just putting that all into, as you mentioned, kind of a spreadsheet or a process for determining, you know, what are these significant risk factors was something that I did very heavily before determining, yes, this is something I want to go through with. And I'm quite fascinated by that kind of how did that actually look like? Yeah. Because it seems like you you made the decision to focus on your own thing as well as travel kind of combined. But all those risks that aren't necessarily financial in terms of leaving your friend group, um, experiencing new cultures, how did you kind of assess those risks and benefits on a very kind of practical level? Yeah. So I, I think the the best way for me of accomplishing something like that is to do various scenario analyses. You know, when when someone starts a company in general, there are a lot of sacrifices that are made. And some of them, in my opinion, don't really matter where in the world you are. So if I if I were to stay in New York and start my own company within New York, there's a couple factors there. One, the cost of living is significant. But two, you're working so much that you're already sacrificing a lot when it comes to your social life and, and other social pursuits. So in a lot of ways, this was less of an absolute value calculation, but more of a relative value calculation. So, you know, do the benefits of hopping into a foreign grocery store and and speaking a different language, do they outweigh some of the other benefits of staying local? And, you know, it's not it's definitely not crystal clear. Uh, but we do have this amazing tool in our pockets that allows us to stay connected wherever we are in the world. So in, in my mind, it's a lot of that, hey, I'm going to leave. Uh, a lot of the risks associated with, hey, I'm going to leave were lessened by the fact that I knew, you know, I could just call my friends whenever whenever I needed to. And, and we could just chat via whatever video call or, or phone call. And in terms of then starting to travel, what are some of your, you mentioned, you know, you go down the street, you have a grocery store yep. and have very different items. What are some of your kind of favorite learnings there? Because you, you stayed in certain cities for kind of determined blocks, like yep. longer periods of time as well. Yeah, correct. So I would do at least a month in cities. I found this would put less pressure on me to go out and see certain aspects of the city knowing that you have a month to play with. If something popped up with work, you could you could prioritize appropriately without feeling guilty. But yeah, probably my biggest takeaway was was a, 
the quality of life in different parts of the world and how high it can actually be. You know, if you have the right people, you're doing the right thing and you're, you know, you're exploring parts that you want to explore. So I had come in with the the uh, misconception that New York was the one and only city for me. And, and I think I still love New York, but I, I think by broadening that horizon and seeing, you know, what are the pros and cons of different cities in the world? It makes that decision a lot more challenging, in fact, because there's, there's a ton of places that I, I really enjoy and I could see myself living. That was probably the most significant takeaway for me. South America in particular was somewhere I hadn't been and, um, you know, was, was a very new and novel and potentially intimidating experience. And after that, I just realized, you know, people are largely great all around the world. You know, people were extremely accommodating despite my, my very broken Spanish. Overall, it's just, there's a lot out there. And I think it's very easy to get trapped within, within a bubble and within a certain way of thinking that, you know, this is the right way to do things. And just by experiencing different places, it was, it was an amazing way to, to kind of pop that bubble. Did you ever feel like you were missing out by staying in a place for a month, like not, you know, not seeing enough or, cause I feel like that's another kind of very, um, typical or, or, you know, I, I catch myself all the time. I go to a new country and first of all, countries are massive and you really underestimate the size, but it's like, I need to do all the things in this one kind yeah. of visit. Did you, you're working six to seven days a week. You're working really long hours. I know you're very kind of structured in your schedule around that as well. Did you ever feel like you were missing out? You were not getting kind of enough out of that experience? Yeah, I think it really depends on how you travel. For me, the things that excite me and the things that I call friends about and, and really remember are more the, the cultural nuances that, that I experience uh, when abroad. So like I said, walking to a grocery store, learning about the different products, talking to an individual on the metro, you know, these individual minute acts really get me excited about travel and different cultures. So for me, I actually got to do everything I enjoy while still maintaining a, a relatively structured and rigorous schedule. However, you know, there, there were certainly sacrifices that, that needed to be made. There's no way you can experience a, a culture or a country within the span of a month. But, you know, these these were this was a, a trade off that, to be quite honest, made made total sense for me. And in terms of kind of starting that business and and now running a void kind of you mentioned since almost 2018, I'm assuming based on your kind of crunching the numbers, you kind of knew how long you you had um, before this had to kind of be monetized in one way or another, or be able to, to help you sustain your lifestyle. Kind of talk me through that. So you had this idea around helping individuals find places and wander off the beaten path. Yep. And you've always, you were, you were already always remote. So you, now that you're based in Toronto, but you've kind of brought that being able to have a remote team into that. You started building the company by yourself. And by building, I physically mean 
I mean, obviously we're not building physical products anymore. They're all digital now, but you actually developed it yourself as well. So one of the things I find quite interesting is you mentioned you really struggle with kind of structural programs, but you, unlike anyone else, I think I know really love kind of own initiated learning. So I guess this is a long winded way of kind of asking what is it specifically that you kind of did to bring this idea to life to now have this company that kind of does sustain its itself? So it's a fair question, and it's it's a significant challenge. I think when anyone sets off to build something from scratch, there is the challenge of determining what to work on. It's probably the most significant challenge because if you imagine a cockpit where, you know, a light is flashing red, when you just start a company, all the lights are flashing red. You can literally go down any path you choose in terms of developing a product, you know, starting with other marketing initiatives, anywhere. So I think the the biggest challenge was to create structure for yourself. And, and as you mentioned, I don't necessarily love when structure is imposed on me, but I do but like you love creating it yourself. Creating <laughs> it. Correct. So that, that, that actually came quite, quite easy. Um, the, the bigger challenge was to reach out to the right people and to set aside, you know, your own stubbornness or your own confidence slash arrogance that is that is arguably needed to get started but can be a massive detriment when you're determining how to build a product for other people at the end of the day the the other people that's that's the key element to your business so you can sit there and say i think i believe i want x or feature x but the users that are using your application, using your, your product or service, are the ones that should really drive that, that feature creation. So th- there was an initial enthusiasm and, and hunger that, uh, that got me started, but arguably led me to building a little too much at the onset versus sitting down, reconnecting with potential users and asking, hey, what what do you want? If this is something we built, would you really love it? But yeah, the, it's undoubtedly a, a large challenge whenever you set off to start something by yourself or to, to work remote in general to create structure around your day-to-day. And what does that actually look like? Because I think I mean, you might roll your eyes, but I feel like you are to some extent a digital nomad. You kind of have your home base, but you have the ability to work from from anywhere and everywhere. In terms of routine, how do you kind of almost potentially even chunk tasks that you have to do? Or where is that balance? How do you determine that balance between outreach versus actually working on the product? Do you have kind of a a process-driven way there um, to determine what you are doing at any given day? Yeah, so there there is a bit, and it's always changing and always modifying as as I learn more, but also as the, the product and the company develops. Obviously, priorities change throughout the 
the process of creating a company. But I, I tend to enjoy sitting down for a formal brainstorm session about once a week to say, okay, let me extract myself from the weeds of the company and think about big picture. What are we doing? And is this by yourself or with the team? Yeah, so it, it can be both. Um, I think both are, are incredibly useful. There are pros and cons to, to brainstorming with the team, just like as, a, as an individual. But I do think pulling yourself out, looking at the company from a different perspective, often illuminates what is necessary to be worked on. What are the big outstanding questions? What are the scary things that you maybe haven't addressed? And then from that point, that normally gives me about a week's worth of structure and the process repeats itself. And do you kind of have prompts that you kind of always go to or is this much more? Because I think one of the challenges about running a, a business is like you mentioned, kind of not getting stuck in the weeds. And sometimes yeah. it is quite difficult to have that different perspective. Do you have something to kind of get you into that state of mind of having a different perspective of kind of being able to work on your business rather than kind of being in the weeds of it all? Yeah. So I, I think the best way to kind of step back is to initiate some type of break, to just give your mind a break and think about other things, to work on other things, to spend time away from the product. This is something that I didn't realize when I originally set out to to build a boy. But there is some some benefit to stepping back, coming back to the product with a new lens or a new perspective or even just a, a clear head and identifying whether or not the priority of last week is still a priority, or if new questions have arisen, or if there's, you know, a new scary thing that needs to be addressed. So by just separating yourself, and, and maybe it's going for a run, maybe it's, it's taking the weekend off, whatever, whatever it may be, it can really be beneficial to, to thinking about, you know, what is, what are the big ticket items today? And you mentioned you didn't it's something you didn't realize kind of at the beginning. Was there a change point there that made you kind of realize, okay, I do need to start taking a step back from it? Yeah, there there definitely was. So I originally started building a VOI quite ambitiously. So jump right into writing code, jump into writing, you know, impressive algorithms, being really clever about the product itself. And I think after my first significant iteration where I sat, sat down with users and, and showed them the product, there was a real wake-up call in a sense that, hey, this, is, this might be cool, this might be clever, but it might not be something I use. And um, at that point in time, you, it really dawned on you that, you know, if if I make an impressive thing, but no one wants it, what's the point of this endeavor? So that was a kick in the pants to say, all right, Cody, maybe we don't go deep down in the weeds and maybe we take these these breaks to connect with users, to, to rethink about the products and uh, move in a more methodical fashion. Yeah, I think it's so easily forgotten the whole the whole notion of like you're not designing a product for yourself 
or what it is that you would kind of use. So with within that within that structure and that routine and kind of always looking ahead but figuring out if there's something if there's new questions to ask. I feel like there's also this other thing that business owners kind of always get asked is like, do you have a five-year goal? How far in advance do you kind of map these things yeah. out? Because given the current times, very, very big things kind of change. Yeah. Um, and especially in the travel industry, I do kind of want to ask of how that has has shifted the way that you now approach Avoy as, as a project and a product. Yeah, so regarding the first question, so how far in advance I plan, both personally and professionally, the answer is quite far. I have, you know, goals that are 20 years away. And I think it's good as a almost like a guiding North Star to keep you focused on certain priorities and certain certain things that you want to achieve. However, you do have to be really, really flexible. As you mentioned, things can change quite quickly. You know, life throws us a lot of surprises and um, sometimes we have to adapt and that's that's totally okay. As you mentioned, travel just got thrown a very big curveball with COVID-19 and the, the development around that. So again, this is, we can have our vision and we can have our goals, but sometimes we have to adapt. So we have been modifying our product, uh, namely to accommodate domestic travel a lot more than international travel. And, you know, you, you got to do the best best you can with the circumstances. Within every circumstance or every situation, there there is opportunity. So it's I think it's more about rolling with the punches and being positive than sticking to, you know, a 20 year plan to the T. That's never going to happen. And one of the things I'm quite interested in, you mentioned kind of very, very early on that you got recruited for baseball and obviously playing as a division one varsity athlete comes with a lot of hard work and a, and quite a structured training plan. Yep. I'm kind of getting to that point where I'm assuming athletics has always been a big part of your life. Do you feel like that kind of athletic mindset has helped you with some of those things nowadays? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely the, the short answer is definitely, I think athletics give you a lot of skills, especially when you're, when you're growing up, uh, just the ability to work alongside teammates. I think is incredibly, incredibly valuable. But specifically with baseball, baseball is is a very challenging sport in a sense that you fail quite a bit. You know, a successful hitter might hit, you know, successfully reach base three times out of 10. So that familiarity with failure actually is a great breeding ground for turning that into a positive takeaway or positive finding. So, you know, maybe you you really connect with the ball and you line out to to the outfield. And, and instead of being upset that the result wasn't there, maybe you take the approach of saying, hey, I did everything right. It just happened to be bad luck. And next time I'm going to get, you know, get my base hit. So I think in, in business and especially in times of incredible chaos and and uh, change, 
that approach is is also very necessary and beneficial. And so one of the things I personally find quite challenging is I'm I'm such a planner as well and kind of setting these milestones and and planning ahead regardless of kind of uncertainty but just to kind of on an everyday basis I find it quite difficult not to get discouraged when I don't hit those those milestones. Yeah. So in terms of staying positive and keeping that attitude, what is it that you do to kind of have those as your North Star, as you mentioned them, but not kind of get down on yourself or saying, oh, at this point, I really wanted to be here. And personally, and at this point, I really wanted to have been here with a boy. Yeah, so uh, I think it's about understanding what is and isn't outside of your control and fitting within your own personal framework. So I am extremely guilty of over, I wouldn't say over promising, but over dreaming in a sense that I have all these targets that I would absolutely love to hit, you know, and and some of them are quite aggressive. And I think that's, that's positive for me because it really does energize me. But I also have to accept the fact that, hey, Cody, maybe, maybe not all these are going to happen. You're going to make really, really good headway, but you have to be okay with understanding that, you know, this is part of how you set and achieve goals. So sometimes it's okay if it, they get kicked out another another month or another week, but just having them there in the first place, I think is is incredibly beneficial to me. And one of the other things before we kind of wrap up here, I'm really interested in You've essentially gone down initially a very traditional or conventional pathway of being in New York and and on Wall Street. In terms of kind of your mindset outside kind of assessing risks, were there kind of limiting beliefs that you potentially had or things that other people were saying, like, why on earth would you, you know, leave that job or why on earth would you do X, Y, Z, insert, you know, other person's expectations in there? Did that kind of happen? And how did you deal with that? Yeah, definitely. I think anyone who has has pursued a unconventional route uh, has got questions. And I think that's that's to be expected. For me, what gave me confidence in my decision was the fact that it was well thought out. This wasn't something that, you know, over the span of a night, I decided I would do. Uh, this was something that I had, had spent some time thinking about the personal benefits and risks. And so when this question came up, you know, why are you pursuing X? There was a very clear answer. And I had gone through the pros and the cons and could articulate that. So whether or not the person agrees is a different story, right? And and people have different preferences and, and values and that's that's normal and to be expected, but it was clear, at least in my head, why I was doing what I was doing. And did you feel like you almost had to prove people that it was thought through? Like, look, look, I've got the spreadsheet, like, um, and being able to articulate that and almost convince other people? Or what did you kind of, were you able to approach that more of like an attitude of shrug your shoulder, like, you know, if you don't agree, you don't agree, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I, I think that comes down to, to who you're talking with. Some people are, are willing and able to be convinced and they're, 
they're just flat out curious, you know, more than happy to, to explain thought process and be completely transparent. But some people just, they've, they have their own mind made up. So those, those are the types of people that, you know, maybe it's, it's not worth your time to, to sit there and articulate that if, if they're not going to come around. And with that kind of very clear why you had the idea of a boy, but what was it, if I may ask specifically, that made you then decide to kind of go off on your own, your own off the beaten beaten path? <laughs> so for me, it was largely timing. I think at that moment, a lot of things had lined up in terms of where I was with my career, what my experience looked like as well as a potential market opportunity. This was, this was an idea that I still, to this day, am, am very confident that someone will fill this space to take travel inspiration almost to the next level. And we certainly hope to be the ones to do it. So at, at that point, it was, it was timing. It was you know diminishing risk thanks to money I had saved up as well as the place I was in my career and the opportunity. Amazing. And to round things off, I've always got three questions. The first being, what book changed your life or shifted your mindset? Yeah, so for me, I have made the shift more into podcasts specifically. It's something I quite enjoy when you know, I'm hopping on the metro or I have some time walking around. And the now city. you're on your own. Exactly. Exactly. But the one that that I really enjoy and, and does kind of drive some of my understanding of the world is called The Globalist. So it's by Monocle. It's a shop based out of London, I believe. But I absolutely love the lens of looking through the world from different countries. So they'll highlight you know, what is going on in a particular Sudanese election or how a certain global policy dictates life in Malaysia. And I think for me, in a lot of ways, that's that's a way to combine, you know, my appreciation for for business, for geopolitics, but also kind of for for travel and other cultures. So that's that's kind of a part of my daily routine is is throw on the globalist, hear what's going around, going on in the in the world around us. Amazing. And secondly, what is your secret to success? Yeah, I wish there was a secret. I don't know if there's a, a secret formula for anyone achieving success. I, I do think probably the best place to start is to determine what success is for you. And what is it for you? Well, in, in a lot of ways, I think success and the, the ability to be happy or enjoy what you're doing is is a relative calculation. So by looking at yourself specifically and not necessarily comparing yourself to others, I think that's a great start. And you can determine, you know, what do I really enjoy? What are the things in my life that I, I really value? And um, it becomes a lot more clear how you get there. And thirdly, what advice would you have liked to hear when you started to live life differently? Yeah, so I think that starting a company was going to be hard. <laughs> I think that's, that's something, you know, we have, we have this media landscape that often celebrates overnight success. And in reality, 
the far more frequent trajectory of companies is a long slog. So there are ups and downs, you know, certain things come easy, certain things do not. And, you know, there's going to be hiccups and bumps along the road. I think I fell a little victim to the to the frequency of success stories that we hear. So, you know, this founder did X in two months, and now it's a billion-dollar company. But that is a very exaggerated and abnormal experience. The more common trajectory for a company is, is one of ups and downs. And I also think that one of the things is... I like to look up when companies actually kind of were founded. Totally. And it seems like the ones that we look at that like are overnight success or you yeah. feel like where on earth did they come from actually have been always around for seven years or yeah. 10. And then all of a sudden you, you see them everywhere and it feels like they're an overnight success, but actually they aren't. Exactly. So if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? So the best way to learn about what we're doing here at Avoy is to go to avoy.io. So that's us on the web. From there, you would be able to, to access our mobile application to sign up for an account. We're also on Instagram at Avoy Hidden Gems. And, uh, you know, personally, I'm not, not too big on social media, so I, I don't have any details to share there for me. But yeah, avoid.io is the best place to see what we're up to. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Julia. Thanks so much for tuning in on this week's episode. If this conversation has helped you in any way or led to some insights, please share it with your friends, colleagues, or family. I would also be incredibly grateful if you could please write a review as this helps me record more episodes and makes it easier for others to find the podcast. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to Modern Day Rebels on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss the next episode. You can also follow at Modern Day Rebels on Instagram to stay up to date on each week's episode or sign up to the newsletter to receive some practical tips and tricks you can easily apply in your day to day. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.